The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Um, I'm... Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, I am embarrassed. I am embarrassed after the performance we saw on the field on Saturday. Bowling Green. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is an embarrassment. This university should be embarrassed. Leffler. The coaching staff. We're going to recap it all. We're going to talk about it tonight. That is, that's going to be the lead. Ohio State takes down Sparty. Michigan gets the job done in Bloomington, Indiana. And Toledo gets the job done against Northern Illinois. Another Sunday. No points on the board. I am one. I am one and two on my teams this weekend. Thank God Notre Dame won. Oh. Oh. Oh, the pain. The pain today. And Cleveland can't play on the defensive side of the ball. But there is some good news. The National Hockey League returns starts tonight. Tampa and the Rangers. Kings and the Golden Knights. We'll talk about the NHL. You'll hear some segments from the NHL preview show that was taped earlier this week. was posted last night. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. The Guardians are in the Big Apple tonight. After an impressive game on Saturday, we'll preview it. We'll look onto the links with the LPGA. But Saturday and the embarrassment. Just play the intro. Let's go. Guess who's back? All in the Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going shut out. Dumbino. Hit to a home run. Go That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down. 
Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say I love you guys. And welcome in to another edition of All Andy Alfred Tonight right here on the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. As you can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred, at all Andy Alfred, as well as Facebook.com slash all Andy Alfred. Welcome into the show tonight on this, the 11th day of October. 2022. I'm sitting here in the studios by myself, puzzled, absolutely embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed for what happened this past weekend. Absolutely. I'm not going to give you a show breakdown tonight like I usually do before the show begins. We're going to dive right into it. What we witnessed on Saturday, the last two Saturdays, the the Saturday for the Marshall game, the Saturday against Akron last week, we've witnessed something positive with this Bowling Green State University football team. We witnessed, I thought, the program going in the right direction. The program under Scott Leffler going in the right direction. Felt like we were dis- they were disciplined. Felt like they were playing great football. They were playing tremendously good football. They were I we knew they were going to be bad against UCLA. We knew the Mississippi State game was going to be a blowout. But to me, the two losses, other losses this season, are not just on the players, it's on coaching. The loss to Eastern Kentucky in the game against Eastern Kentucky was the lack of discipline, the lack of structure, the lack of the will to finally finish the game and win it. And to, you know, do the right thing, make the right plays. They they made strides against Marshall. Winning that game, finding a way to win that game. And then last week, going to Akron in a meaningful game. The first game in MAC play. You play Akron. You beat Akron. You hold them off at the end, but you beat Akron. You start the season 1-0 in MAC play. And that's what you need. You need to start off very, very strong and very, very good and very, very fast. This program, absolutely, and I'm going to be honest with you folks. I, I, I will completely be honest with you. What we witnessed Saturday was an absolute, pardon my language, absolute fucking embarrassment. This program... What this program, 
did in the in the span of a week. They have just basically undressed themselves, running naked like a child, being undisciplined, not fully committing themselves to the game, and it's all on coaching. It's all on coaching. And it's also all on the players. But the, the they have to be disciplined. And where does the discipline come from? Coaching. It's a two 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 way street. You gotta have the coaching, it's gotta be there, and the and the players have to be there. And to me, this game on Saturday. I had a I have a friend who works in the Bowling Green Police Department. His name is Dan Poland. Very very nice guy. I love him. He's a, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. We were talking at the BGSU ice hockey game, and by the way, the Falcons lost that hockey game. So I was zero and two, and BG was zero and two in athletics at BG on Saturday. Dan was tell, telling me. He didn't see the stadium so empty in his entire his entire career at BG. He showed me a picture of what he took from when he got to the stadium with the stands full right before a kickoff. And then he showed me the picture at halftime. And I totally, totally agree. It was an embarrassment. When they have staff that run the organization say that that was an embarrassing loss. That says a lot. And this game sets the sediment, sets the cement into what I'm going to say here in just a few minutes. Well, let's break it down. And the, and the thing is, BG never had a chance in this game. Absolutely had never a chance. Buffalo... Went up and down the field. They ran a train on Bowling Green. Cook started it all off. 7-0. 11 minutes and 23 seconds. 3 minutes and change into the game. Failure. Punt. McNulty kicks a field goal. It's 10 Nothing. And then, Ronald Cook again, running it in. It's 17 nothing. Buffalo. 17 nothing. Buffalo. Buffalo scores on the first play, 7 nothing. Interception by McDonald. Leads to the field goal for Buffalo. Three plays, punt for Bowling Green. It takes them two plays to go down the field and score another touchdown, 17-0. Another punt. Buffalo then fumbles. And then Bowling Green then fumbles. Bowling Green sticks to the ground. They, they, turn over, they have Buffalo that turns over and downs. But they punt it. And then Bowling Green then fumbles. On a one play 32 yard drive. 
Patterson recovers. Fumbles. Buffalo recovers. Buffalo then takes it down the three field in three plays, 99 yards. There's up 24 to nothing. But it gets worse. Bowling Green gets the next possession. Three plays and out. Buffalo gets the next football. Nine plays, 54 yards, a minute 31. They go down the field, score another touchdown, 31 to nothing. Bowling Green then takes it. Three plays. They don't convert. They don't attempt to convert. And it's... But then that's the that's the end of the first quarter. I mean, that's the end of the first half. We get to the second half. And this is when it's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Bowling Green gets the football, three and out, punt. They hold Buffalo to a punt, but here's the thing. Bowling Green gets the football on the return at the 19-yard line. They go down the field. They get to the Buffalo 6-yard line. They can't convert. Goes to a fourth down play. I mean, gets down to the goal line. Tries to kick a field goal. They run a fake. Guy fumbles the football. Buffalo picks it up and takes it in 97 yards for the touchdown. 38 to nothing. And then Bowling Green then scores. They score in the third quarter. McDonald gets the pass to Terry on Keith for 11 yards. Touchdown. It's 38-7. That was the final. Bowling Green, this game was atrocious. In every aspect of this game, it was atrocious. Buffalo went in. They knew what they were going to do. They absolutely destroyed this team. Broke down the confidence. Broke down the play calling. Broke down every single bit of this game. I would break this desk while I'm on right now. If I really wanted to. But I'm not going to. I would flip this desk. If I really wanted to. We have had such high hopes. For this team this year. This is the fourth year. Under the Leffler regime. This is the fourth year. He's 9-26 and 26 now. You can count on almost two hands still how many wins he has in this program's history. Buffalo. Schneider was 12 for 19 for 171 yards. No TDs, no interceptions. Washington. 16 carries for 155 yards, two TDs. Cook Jr., 17 carries, 89 yards, 2 TDs. Gassette was the leading rusher, the receiver, 2 catches, 49 yards. By the way, QBR rating for Schneider, 
Here's Bowling Green. Matt McDonald was 21 for 42 for 281 yards, one TD, one interception. His QBR was a 12.6. Patterson, three catches, three carries, 42 yards. Johnson, nine carries, 36 yards. Mosley, three carries, 18 yards. Lewis, four catches, 82 yards. Sims, four catches, 53 yards. Bowden, two catches, 39 yards. Andrew Bench, two catches, 38 yards. He had a pretty good game. Kroom, three catches, 26 yards. Here's where I get this. Here's the team stats. Bowling Green had nine, uh, 20 first downs to, Bowling Green, to uh, Buffalo's 19. On third down, Bowling Green was three for 14. On fourth down, they were 0 for 3. Buffalo 5 for 14 in third down. They were 1 for 2 in fourth down. Bowling Green had 380 total yards of offense. 281 through the air. Only 99 yards on the ground. Buffalo, 466 yards of offense. Only 186 through the air. 280 yards on the ground. But this is the key thing. These are the two keys. Buffalo had nine penalties for 97 yards. Bowling Green had 12 penalties for 117 yards. That is lack of discipline, ladies and gentlemen. That is discipline fail. And it was calls at the line. Pre-snap calls. A false start. An offside. Uh, too many men on the field. An illegal procedure. Now, does it get it gets worse? Turnovers. Bowling Green have four turnovers, three fumbles. They cannot hold the ball. They need tack them on their hands. They need to be like that little kid in Little Giants putting that tack them on his hand to hold on to that football. McDonald threw one interceptions. Four turnovers in the game. One turnover for Buffalo. It was just a fumble. Buffalo led the entire game in possession. 32 minutes and 47 seconds. Bowling Green had 27 minutes and 13 seconds. Bowling Green is now 2-4. and four. They're 1-1 one one in MAC play. Buffalo with their win... Is now three and three overall. They are a perfect three and zero in MAC play. This is this this was embarrassing. This was absolutely embarrassing. The attendance for the game eight thousand. 724, which is 36% capacity at Dwight Perry Stadium. The over-under was Buffalo at two points with 56.5 points is the over-under. The percentage of winning was 100% for Buffalo. Shall I play you... Scott Leffler's comments. I will. Here is the coach after the game, after this pathetic performance on Saturday as Buffalo destroyed Bowling Green, scoring 38 unanswered points, routing Bowling Green 
to a 38 to 7 win. In every uh, aspect, uh, all three phases we played extremely poor. We did uh, every error you could uh, possibly do in a half. We had uh, three turnovers all within the 10 yard line. Did not play well in the red area. Third down was atrocious, 12 penalties. And, uh, you know, when all three phases play as bad as they did, it starts with me. Um, I'll take responsibility for it. We're supposed to be competitive, and we were as far from competitive today as you could possibly get. And I don't have the answer why. Um, we need to find out and figure out uh, how we can play consistent. And, uh, um, but, you know, we're supposed to be competitive, and that team right there that we just played was equivalent to us, and uh, we didn't play well in all aspects. And uh, we need to figure it out. We need to get it fixed. Uh, playing the good Miami of Ohio team next week. But uh, that was as disappointing um, a half and disappointing a game that I've had probably in my career. And uh, But you got to bounce back. you got to find a way to... Uh, uh, clean up the mistakes, but uh, we've got work to do, and it starts with me. So I'll take it. That's my job. That's where we're at. I guess you can talk. You know, this is the first relevant Mac game for you guys in a while, and. Are you surprised that this was the response to it? Very much so. Uh, I expected uh, this to be a heck of a football game, and on paper it should have been. But uh, there's something missing that you can go and play as well as we've ever played around here in a long time to playing as bad as you can play. And uh, that's, that's the truth. Marshall game, we played as well as you could possibly play. We played as competitive. Uh, you play that type of competitive football, you have a chance to beat anyone in this league. But uh, that was a uh, debacle in terms of we crushed ourselves. I mean, there was plain and simple, we, we beat ourselves in every aspect. We couldn't punt. We fake a field goal and the field goal kicker falls down. Um, didn't get off the field all the time the way that we wanted to on defense. Gave up big plays. Offensively didn't create big plays. Turned the ball over. It's, you know, that's not the formula to win. And uh, just like I said, I'm good. Put it on me. And I'm good with that. How did you feel the preparation for during the week? It was great. That's what's frustrating with the whole thing is... Uh, I thought preparation was as good as we, we've prepped. Um, I did not like the emotion of our team on the sidelines. They had emotion, we did, and I don't understand that. That's the part of the puzzle that I don't get. And this is an emotional game, and 
obviously I got to figure out how to get their emotions going because that was not an emotional football game whatsoever from us and you got to have that aspect from the beginning of time that's always been the case in football and you're not going to win any games when you have that type of emotion and I can't figure that, that that was the one that I can't figure out I mean you're playing Buffalo we all know what happened last year I mean come on now so disappointed from that end Oh my gosh! If you don't, if you don't take lessons from today, you're out of your mind. I mean, we got to get consistent. I mean, you can't play this up and down and be this up and down from week to week. And um, we've got to find that secret sauce. But um, you know, if you if you go out here and you played your ass off and you were disciplined and you and you did all the things you're supposed to do and you lose, that's one thing. But we didn't do one thing. Um, it, looked, it looked like the past, to be quite honest with you. And uh, how does that happen? I, 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 I don't know. But we got to figure it out. Discipline. Flat discipline when you're jumping off sides. There's one thing with a holding call. Those are all subjective and a pass interference call, but the pre-snap penalties are absolutely um, ridiculous. And, um, heck, the quarterback's not even in his cadence twice and we jump off sides. That makes no sense to me. I can't figure that one out. And um, But 12 penalties, you're not going to win. 12 penalties, four, four turnovers. Ran the ball for 99 yards. They run for 280. Three turnovers in the red. One for three in the I mean, that's not the formula. So you just heard Scott Leffler's comments after this Buffalo game. I sat and watched this game from start to finish in my home. I could have watched the Guardians full game. I would have been at home for a long time. I could have watched I could have watched Michigan play Indiana. I could have watched my I I could have watched my cat lick himself. It would be more entertaining than what I witnessed on Saturday. This game and this regime has cemented themselves in quicksand. And all that's left is their hand sticking out of the quicksand cement. I hate to do this. I really do. I love Scott. I love this organiz- I love this regime. I love the coaching staff. I love this. But I said it in a in a tweet on Saturday. To the moon, this is this is putting the rocket into the into the trailer and telling and scrubbing the mission this game was on Saturday. To the moon, this is this is getting no funding. This is getting getting the rock thinking that you have the rocket when all you have is the blueprints. 
this game on Saturday coming up is a job game. And I I hate to say that. I really hate to say that. With what this team still has to accomplish and what they still have to play, we are four wins away from a bowl. Four wins from a bowl. These are the last two Saturday games before we go into Maction. But to me, this is key. If they want to turn this ship around, if they want to keep their jobs, they got to win this week against Miami of Ohio. They have to. They absolutely have to. If they don't, then I'm just going to have to, I, I will say it, I will call for Scott Leffler's job on this podcast. I will call for his job. It's not because, I love the guy, I care about him, I think he is a great football mind, but I just don't think he's the man for this job anymore. We have gone through four years of this, of this. What he walked into this program, it was absolutely embarrassing. What he walked into was the cupboards bare, nothing left, not even a crumb. And I blame Jenks, I blame Babers, and I don't blame Clawson, but I blame Babers and Jenks for the situation. But I'm, I'm just going to lay this out for you, Falcon fans. It, we're looking for a new AD. When this university finds a new AD, what's the first thing that's going to happen? He's going to research all the team, all the teams that play. Who's going to be saved? Who's going to get cut? Who's going to get fired? I'll give you a three that are probably going to get to go. One right off the bat will be Leffler. Unfortunately, two for me would be the, the college basketball coach, Huger. I don't have a third off the top of my head. I, those top two would be gone. Iger is good. Tomich, good. The women's coach, good. Baseball, good. Tennis, track, all that, good. Soccer, good. I think those two are the two top jobs that the new AD, when he comes in, have to really go and find somebody to approve. Because Iger's good. And here's the thing. There was 8,000 in attendance for the football game. We had about 5,000 in attendance for the Michigan State hockey game. We had the barn packed on Saturday night against Michigan State. For the home opener. You have to play for your job. And you have to. You, the, he's playing for his job. And you can tell in his presser from this past Monday. You can tell in his demeanor. 
It was a short press conference. It was a short press conference. Only six minutes. We're going to play for you here in just a second. But listen to his tone. He knows he's playing now for his job. He knows that, you know, that this game is so critical to him being the head coach of this program going forward. We had it with Jenks. We had it with with Babers is left. We had it with Jenks. Scott's got a Scott's playing for his job, and the players have to step up because they have to be disciplined. You need to have clean cut passes and clean cut play calling, on on not just for the players, not just coaching but players. This is this is a must. Win for Scott Leftless. I'm going to keep saying it. It's a must win. Because after this, they have Central Michigan at Central Michigan. They host Western. They host Kent State. And then they, they finish up the two se- two games left of the season. Maction week, midweek. You go to Toledo. And now this game against Toledo looks more and more going to be a route for Toledo than anything else. And as a Falcon fan that wants this program to be thriving. That wants this team to win. That wants the recruiting to be at Glosson level. That wants to have the recruiting be at that level. At a high level. What we've gotten this year is not good enough. The amount of coaches that are being fired in college football right now is absolutely a stern. Frost gone out of Nebraska. Herm Edwards out of Arizona State. You've got the guy out of Wisconsin out. There will be tons of coaching opportunities out there. The if 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 they lose this game against Miami, Ohio, and by the way, we are going to be at the game on Saturday. We are going to be at the game. I might have a sign, maybe. Hope I have a sign. But we, this, if he wants to keep his job, he has to win this Saturday against Miami of Ohio. Because it doesn't get easier. It just doesn't. The only win I could see is the Central Michigan win. If you want to be bowl eligible and get to six wins to be in consideration for a bowl game, which you should definitely not take because this program is way off from being in a bowl game, then you have to win on Saturday. If not, the primer is on the wall. And it's hardening, and we're about ready to open the can to put your name on the wall. Scott Leffler. Just going to say that. I'm not going, like I said, I love Scott. I love his family. I love everything about he's committed to the university. He loves the university. But 
you'll hear it here in a second with his pregame with Miami of Ohio. You can tell in his demeanor that he is going to be playing for his job on Saturday. Play the audio. You know, um, the, there's a emotional approach and emotional discipline prior to a game that you have to have. But the fact of the matter is this is an emotional game. And whenever we were in game, uh, game mode, uh, there was no emotional response whatsoever. And we didn't make any plays on top of it on all three phases uh, to get the emotion and the uh, momentum changed in the other way. You know, the, you looked at the crazy field goal attempt. Uh, Mason falls down, benches open from here to my house on the pylon for an easy touchdown. We don't make the play. And uh, Matt scrambles down here in the low red. And... Uh, you know, we miss Broden on an end line. You know, you make those plays. The next thing you know, it's 17-10, and you're in a football game. And uh, we just didn't make plays, and uh, we just did not have the emotional response during the game that you need to have uh, when things aren't going necessarily well. Well, we, we, we've got to fix it. I mean, the one thing that I can say about our team, and I love our kids. I, I feel like, I mean, I'm not sitting here bashing. I love our kids. I love our kids more than anything. Um, and I'm not throwing them under the bus. I, this is my responsibility. But I haven't put my finger. It's the first time in my career whenever it's a relevant game, the prep was through the roof, the... Um, Attention to detail during the week was outstanding. Um, the emotional uh, preparation prior to the game was great. You had an opportunity for a relevant game, and then everything went bad. And uh, I'm still trying to figure that piece out. And um, it's a piece that I've been going through my head of every scenario. We, we've cut down practice to make sure they were fresh. You name it, we did it. And um, it's just really disappointing that, uh, th that it occurred the way that it did. I mean, be, I've never been more disappointed in a long time. When it comes to the chaos that is an active team like Miami coming in, how do you regroup? How do you kind of let this one go? And then well, everything's out there. The, you know, the leader of the, our side is, uh, uh, has zero losses in the MAC, and everyone else is one and one besides Akron. And, um, you know, there's still a ton of football to be played. The MAC is chaotic. Um, Lord knows what's going to happen. Uh, we see teams uh, week in and week out do what we did. And uh, hopefully uh, we don't go down this path again. And just like I said, I wanted to be competitive in every single MAC game. And where I'm disappointed is we were not competitive on, uh, on Saturday. And I'm beyond disappointed. Like, flabbergasted, disappointed. When it comes to Miami, turning the page, what kind of challenges do they face? Great defense, extremely disciplined, know how to win. Um, they finally, uh, over the last, in my opinion, since I entered the MAC, he went through, and he's said it to me a hundred times, he's went through the same things that we're going through right now, how to win, how to do this, how to do that. Um, I think they know how to win, plain and simple. They're extremely def uh, uh, disciplined. In all three phases, uh, they, um, 
they play really sound, tough defense. I mean, really sound, tough defense. And they just don't make mistakes. And uh, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to go back and do the things that we've been doing that gives ourselves a chance to win. We need to be emotionally invested in the game from play one, regardless of what happens, bad, good, or indifferent. Hang in there. Go play our style of football. And, uh, you know, to win this game, you're going to have to go out and earn it. They're not going to give you one thing. This isn't going to be a deal where they're going to bust a coverage, and they're not. They're extremely disciplined, and um, we got to go out and take it, and we got to earn it, and we got to play sound football. You know, we have been great with penalties and had four turnovers. We've been fairly good with penalties and had 12 penalties. I mean, what are we doing? So, interesting. Well, the, the turn, I, I've never seen more crazier turnovers in my career. Like, ball on the one-yard line going in to score. They rip it from our, our, our young running back. Jason's going in uh, to put the, put the, uh, uh, us in position to be on the four-yard line. We get stripped from behind. Um, the um, short yardage play down here on the 90-yard touchdown, we're in a bare front and they're running inside zone, and as an offensive coach, you're jumping up and down for three to four yards, two yards versus a bare front, and we misfit the gap, and it goes for 90. Uh, they were in the right defense, completely the right defense. A bare front, running inside zone, come on. Like any offensive line coach would say, that's an uphill play. And uh, we misfit the gap, and the next thing you know, it went for 90. Um, so, you know, those are the things that, I mean, you name it, every single thing went bad that could ever possibly go bad, and it did. And uh, Matt's interception was uh, versus a three-man rush, three deep, uh, uh, five underneath, uh, three-man go. And uh, he's seen that defense 100 times, and the ball should be on the check down. So we did some things that were completely absurd, completely outside the box. And like I said, I don't know why. But I got to take responsibility. I got to figure it out. But we did things that we haven't done around here since I've been here, to be quite honest with you. So that's my job to figure it out. I'm meeting with the leadership council today, and um, we need to figure it out. So you just heard the presser for Scott Leffler, Leffler, and the and the Bowling Green State University Falcons Saturday, this Saturday, the fifteenth, noon kick on ESPN Plus, Miami of Ohio. And Bowling Green, Miami, Ohio, already up six and a half points in the opening lines for this week. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. So let's recap the rest of the uh, college football slate from week six. And we'll we'll continue with the action, of course. And let's talk a little bit about the team here in Toledo. Of course, the University of Toledo Rockets as Guayon Mitchell intercepted four passes and returned a pair of touchdowns for the Rockets in their big 52-32 win on Saturday over the Northern Illinois Huskies. Uh, great game for Daquan Finn. He was 13 for 19 for 167 yards, three TDs, no interceptions, QBR rating of an eight, 78%. Uh, Stewart, 11 carries, 73 yards, one TD. 
You also had like a Newton, five catches, 89 yards, two TDs. Turner, two catches, 26 yards, one TD. And Call, one catch, eight yards, one TD in the game. For NIU, it was Hampton, 30 for 49 for two for 284 yards, two TDs, four interceptions. His QBR rating a 24.2 as Brown had 17 carries for 84 yards, one TD. Lynch, four carries, 12 yards, one TD in the game. It was Wally. Lee, 10 catches, 96 yards. It was Travis with 6 catches, 47 yards, 1 TD. Cassins, 3 catches, 19 yards, 1 TD in the game. The overall team stats looked like this. The University of Toledo had 22 first downs to the NIU's 29. On third down, the UT Rockets were 3 for 9. They were a perfect 2 for 2 on fourth down. For NIU, they were 8 for 17 on third down. The Huskies were 2 for 2 on fourth down. The Huskies had 424 yards of total offense, 284 through the air, 140 on the ground. For the Rockets, they had 349 yards of total offense, 190 through the air, 159 on the ground. UT had five penalties for 25 yards. NIU, five penalties, 61 yards. The Rockets did not have any turnovers. It was all in the turnover ranking for the NIU Huskies since they had four turnovers in the game. They also led in time of possession at 38 minutes and 8 seconds. Toledo, 21 minutes and 52 seconds time of possession. The Rockets now improved to 4-2. and two. NIU goes to 1-5. and five. Toledo has Kent State this upcoming Saturday. Now let's take a look at the Big Ten, Big Ten slate, of course. And we'll start first and foremost with the big game at East Lansing as Ohio State traveled to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. And C.J. Stroud throws for six touchdowns in the game. Stroud was 21 for 26 for 361 total yards of offense. Uh, six TDs, one interception, QBR rating of a 97.9. As Trevion Henderson, 19 carries for 118 yards, one TD. It was... Uh, Mbuke, five catches, 143 yards, one TD. Marvin Harrison Jr., seven catches, 131 yards, three TDs. And Fleming with four catches, 81 yards, one TD. As well as uh, Scott Jr., one catch, two yards, one TD. In the game for Michigan State, it was uh, Thorne. Was 11 for 18 with one for 113 yards, one TD, one interception. His QBR rating was a 48.4 percent. Uh, Kim came in. He was six for 10 for 82 yards, one TD. His QBR 83.4. As Collins had two carries for nine yards, they shut down the rushing offense for Michigan State, and that's what the key thing is. And we'll get to those in just a second. Reed four catches, 67 yards, one TD. Foster three catches, 54 yards, one TD in the game. For Michigan State, the overall team stats for the Ohio State Buckeyes, they had 29 first downs to the Michigan State Spartans, 12. On third down, Ohio State was 5 for 11. They were also a perfect 2 for 2 on fourth down. The Spartans were 3 for 11 on third down, did not convert anything on fourth down. The Spartans had 202 yards of offense. Here's where I say that. 195 yards through the air, only 7 yards rushing. Shows you that defensive line is very good. Ohio State has 614 yards of total offense, 337 through the air, 237 on the ground. They have four penalties for 49 yards. The Michigan State Spartans had six penalties for 45 yards in the game. Both teams turned over the football once. Both teams threw an interception. The, the uh, Buckeyes led in time of possession at 37 minutes and 14 seconds. Michigan State led 
in time of possession at 22 minutes and 46 seconds. So Ohio State goes to 6-0. Michigan State falls now to 2 and four, we continue on one more, two more games to look at. Of course, the big noon Saturday game at kickoff was fourth ranked Michigan traveling down to Blooming, uh, Bloomington, Indiana, as it was the Fighting Cornhusk Hoosiers of Indiana getting the game on Saturday afternoon, and Michigan just absolutely throttling. The Hoosiers, 31 to 10 in the game. It was all led by Hart in the game. Absolutely dominated the game for Michigan. As JJ McCarthy was 28 for 36 for 304 yards, three TDs, one interception, QBR rating of an 82.2%. Chrome 25 carries for 124 yards, one TD. McCarthy also ran the football four times for 26 yards. Uh, Bell, 11 catches, 121 yards. Shoemaker, 9 catches, 67 yards, 1 TD. Johnson, 4 catches, 58 yards, 2 TDs in the game for Michigan. For Indiana in the game, it was Balsack, 25 for 49 for 203 yards, 1 TD, 1 interception. QBR rating of a 38.7. Uh, Lucas was the leading rusher for the Hoosiers at 4 carries for 47 yards. 45 yards. Silver's leading carrier, though, he had seven carries for only 25 yards. Simmons, seven catches, 57 yards. Henderson, four catches, 34 yards, one TD in the game. The overall team stats look like this. Michigan had 26 first downs to Indiana's 21 on third down. Michigan, seven for 14, shooting at 50%. Indiana, five for 15. Both teams did not convert on fourth down. They were 0 for 1. Michigan had 469 yards of total offense, 304 through the air, 165 on the ground. For Indiana, they had 222 yards of offense, 203 through the air, only 19 yards rushing for the Hoosiers on Saturday. They had four penalties for 50 yards. Michigan not showing much discipline as they had 10 penalties for 85 yards. Both teams threw interceptions. Michigan led in time of possession, 37 minutes, 53 seconds, to Indiana's 22 minutes and 7 seconds. So Michigan, with their win, goes to 6-0. Indiana, with the loss, goes to 3-3. One final game to take a look at. Of course, we're talking about independence. We'll talk a little, we'll talk a little Notre Dame. Notre Dame having the big Shamrock Challenge taking place at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. A big crowd on hand. As Marcus Freeman described, Marcus described the offense as a work in progress, but they get the job done, beating the 16th-ranked BYU Cougars. The Mormons come into Las Vegas and fall victim to the Irish by a score of 28-20 to in the game. Overall, it was Hall for BYU. He was 9 for 17 in his passing. He had 120 yards, 2 TDs, 1 interception. QBR rating of a 54.7 as Brooks had 14 carries for 90 yards for BYU with 1 TD. In the game, the leading rusher receiver was Epps with 4 catches for 100 yards, 2 TDs. In the game, Romney, 1 catch, 8 yards, no TDs. In the game for Notre Dame, it was Pyatt starving 22 of 28. For 262 yards, three TDs, one interception. His QBR rating of a 94.4 as, as Esme, 14 carries for 97 yards. 
Diggs, 17 carries, 93 yards. Leading, like I said, leading passer is Mayer at 11 catches for 118 yards, two TDs. Thomas, three catches, 74 yards, one TD in the game for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. For the Irish, they had overall in their team stats, they had 24 first downs to BYU's 13. Notre Dame 11 for 16 on third down. BYU 3 for 9. BYU was 1 for 2 on fourth down. Notre Dame was 0 for 1. Notre Dame had 496 total yards of offense. Passing-wise, they had 262 and 234 on the ground. For BYU, they had 280 total yards of offense, 120 through the air, 160 on the ground. Both teams were pretty conservative in penalties. BYU, one penalty for five yards. The Irish, one penalty, 10 yards. Both teams threw an interception, but Notre Dame led in time of possession at 40 minutes and 55 seconds. BYU, 19 minutes and 5 seconds. Notre Dame goes to 3-2. and two. BYU gets their second loss. They now fall to four and two. And that is the recap of all the local teams. Now let's take a look at the whole recap of week six in the top 25 right here on All Andy Alfred. It's now time to take a look at the recap of week six of the college football spectrum. And we'll start first and foremost with Death Valley as the 25th ranked LSU Tigers welcomed in the Tennessee Volunteers who are eighth ranked in the country and Tennessee putting a whooping on LSU 40 to 13. In a good matchup that had game day in in Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks, 19th ranked in the country, welcome in the Horn Frogs of TCU, and TCU just sneaks by with a win, beating Kansas 38 to 31. Mississippi State, 23rd ranked in the country, welcomed in Arkansas, and the Bacon Bits are back as the Bulldogs of Mississippi State getting a big 40 to 17 win over the Arkansas Razorbacks. 24th ranked Cincinnati getting a huge 28-24 win over South Florida. It was Georgia shellacking on the Auburn Tigers 42-10. 7th ranked Oklahoma State getting a huge win te over Texas Tech 41-31. 18th ranked UCLA pulling the upset beating 11th ranked Utah at the Rose Bowl 42-32. Ole Miss, ninth ranked in the country, beating up on Vanderbilt 52-28. 21th ranked Washington went into Arizona State with their interim coach. And the Sun Devils getting a big 45-38 win over the Huskies of Washington. Clemson putting a shellacking on Boston College 31-3. Clemson, fifth ranked in the country. Sixth ranked USC getting a huge win over Old Crimson. Washington State 30-14. 14th ranked Kentucky fall to the Gamecocks of South Carolina, 24-14. Wake Forest, a big 45-10 win over the Army. Wake Forest, 15th ranked at the country. 20th ranked Kansas State gets the win just barely by Iowa State, 10-9. You have NC State, a winner 19-17 over Florida State. NC State, 14th ranked at the country. 12th ranked Oregon getting a big 49-22 win over the Arizona Wildcats, but the big game, of course, was Saturday night, 8 o'clock kick on A on CBS as number one ranked Alabama hosted Texas A&M, and Texas A&M took it down to the wire, had a chance to win the football game through the interception with two seconds to go in the end zone, and the Alabama Crimson Tide hold on to the big 24-20 win over the Aggies of Texas A&M. In the Big Ten from Week 6, it, the rest, besides the Ohio State game as they beat up on Michigan State 49-20 and Michigan big 31-10 win over Indiana on Friday night. Nebraska beats up 
on Rutgers in the blackout, 14-13. Purdue a 31-29 win over Maryland. Wisconsin a 42-7 win over Northwestern. And Illinois getting a 9-6 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes. You also have in the Mid-American Conference play from Week 6, besides Bowling Green being absolutely fucking embarrassed by Buffalo 38-7, and Toledo beating up on Northern Illinois 52-32, Eastern Michigan a 45-23 win over Western Michigan, Akron falls to Ohio 55-34, Ball State a winner 17-16 over Central Michigan, and Kent State loses to Miami of Ohio 27-24. With that all said in mind, let's take a look at the rankings in the top 25 this upcoming week. There is a new number one at the top spot and is led by the Georgia Bulldogs at number one. Ohio State is number two. Alabama at three. Clemson at four. Michigan is at five. Tennessee is at six. USC is at seven. Oklahoma State is at eight. Ole Miss is at nine. uh, Penn State is at 10. UCLA is at 11. Oregon is at 12. TCU at 13. Wake Forest is 14th. North Carolina State is 15th. Mississippi State is 16th. Kansas State is 17th, 18th ranked is the Syracuse Orange, 19th ranked are the Kansas Jayhawks, 20th ranked is the Utah Utes, 21st ranked is the Cincinnati Bearcats, Uh, the Kentucky Wildcats are 22nd ranked, Texas is also 23rd ranked, 24th ranked is Illinois, and 25th ranked is now James Madison University, who is now 5-0. With that all in mind, Let's take a look at Week 7's games, and here are my predictions for Week 7. We will start first and foremost with the new kicks. As Ole Miss, ninth ranked in the country, welcome in the Auburn Tigers. This is uh, Ole Miss, a 15-point favorite in the game. I'm taking Ole Miss in that game. 19th ranked Kansas travels to Oklahoma. Oklahoma coming off the loss over Texas in the Red River shootout, as it will be Kansas, I think, in my opinion, getting the win. Beating Oklahoma, Oklahoma a nine-point favorite. I have Kansas beating Oklahoma. I have then Iowa State traveling to Texas. Texas 22nd ranked in the country. Noon kickoff on ABC. Texas a 16.5-point favorite. I am taking Texas in that game. It will be then Vanderbilt traveling to Georgia. Georgia 6-0. They're a 38-point favorite against Vanderbilt. I am taking Georgia in that game. The big one. 3.30 kick in Rocky Top. Third-ranked Alabama travels to Tennessee to take on the Volunteers. Alabama, 7.5-point favorite in this game. I am taking Tennessee in this one. I think after the close law, close win over Texas A&M, I think in a really high Tennessee game team, I am taking Tennessee to beat Alabama this week. 8th-ranked Oklahoma State travels to 13th-ranked TCU. TCU a four-point favorite. I'm taking TCU in that game. 3.30 kick is NC State. 5-1 takes on 18th-ranked Syracuse. I will take NC State in that game. 25th-ranked James Madison. Wilkinson, Georgia Southern. Joins Madison pretty easily in that one. 4th-ranked Clemson has another primetime game on ABC. 6-0 will travel to... Florida State to take on the Seminoles. Clemson, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I am taking the Clemson Tigers in that game. 16th-ranked Mississippi State travels to Kentucky, who is 22nd-ranked in the country. Mississippi State, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I am taking Mississippi State in this game. And then 7th-ranked USC travels to 20th-ranked 
Utah at 8 o'clock on Fox. Utah, three-and-a-half point favorite. I am taking the Trojans of USC in the game to beat the Utah Utes. Notre Dame then welcomes in Stanford. Notre Dame not even ranked. I am taking Notre Dame to beat Stanford in that game. Take a look at the Big Ten slate. It's a small slate as Ohio State is on the bye. It will be Illinois, 24th ranked in the country, welcoming in Minnesota. I am taking Illinois in that game. Uh, Maryland travels to Indiana for a 3-3 kick on ESPN2. Maryland, 11-point favorite. I'm taking Maryland. Michigan State welcomes in Wisconsin after the beatdown that they just took. Uh, Wisconsin, a 7.5-point favorite. I'm actually taking Michigan State in this game. Nebraska, 3-3 overall, welcomes in, goes to Purdue. Purdue, a 14-point favorite. I am taking Purdue in this game. And then that sets up the big noon Saturday kickoff at the Big House's 10th-ranked Penn State Travels to the Big House at Ann Arbor for a noon kickoff. Michigan, a seven-point favorite. I think it's going to be closer than that. I do have Michigan winning probably by three points. Michigan to win in that one. Now let's take a look at the Mid-American Conference. Now this is a big slate of games for the MAC. A lot of MAC games. We'll start first and foremost with some of the noon kicks. Central Michigan, who's one and five, will take on Akron, who's one and five. A noon kick at Akron, Central Michigan, 13-point favorite. I am taking Central Michigan in that one. 1 o'clock kick as Buffalo travels to UMass. Buffalo 3-3, three and three, UMass 1-5, Buffalo, um, UMass an independent. This is a non-conference game. I'm taking Buffalo in that game. UConn, 3-4, travels to Ball State. 2 o'clock kick on ESPN3, Ball State a 9.5-point favorite. I am taking Ball State in this game. Northern Illinois. Travels to Ypsilanti to take on the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Eastern Michigan, a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Northern Illinois to beat Eastern Michigan in that game. Then Ohio, 3-3 three and three overall, takes on Western Michigan. 3-30 kick on CBS Sports Network. Ohio, a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I am taking Ohio in the game, which then sets up the big kickoff. 3-30 kick. As Kent State, 2-4 overall, goes to Toledo to battle the University of Toledo Rockets. The Rockets, a 9-point favorite in this game. Don't sit on the Golden Flashes. They did do some surprising damage. Remember, to Georgia, they have a lot of confidence. I'm taking Kent State to beat Toledo this week, which sets up this game, which is the noon kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. As the 3-3 three three Miami Redhawks travel to Doit L. Perry Stadium to take on the Bowling Green State University Falcons, Miami, Ohio, a 6.5-point favorite in this game. The players, I think, are going to rally around Scott for this one. I think they get the job done. I think they get the win. This is a must-win for Bowling Green. This is a must-win to stay into the division and to stay into that realm. Because, like I said, it does not get any Easter. I will take Bowling Green this weekend to beat Miami of Ohio. We will be at Doit Perry Stadium for Saturday's noon kickoff. Yours truly will be there. We will have the, I will be giving you the halftime update. And I'll get to see the team in person for the first time. I hope it's good. I hope they, they rally. I really hope they rally. So, to recap, Week 7's picks, I have Ole Miss, Kansas, Texas, Georgia, Tennessee over Alabama. 
in the upset game. TCU at North Carolina State, James Madison, Clemson, Mississippi State, USC. I have Notre Dame beating Stanford in my top 25 and not in independent games. In the Big Ten, I have Illinois, Maryland, Michigan State, Purdue, and Michigan winning this weekend. And then in the Mid-America Conference, I have Central Michigan, Buffalo, Ball State, NIU, Ohio, Kent State over Toledo, and the must-win for Bowling Green over Miami of Ohio. And those are my picks for Week 7 in the college football spectrum. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's dive into the National Football League. And, oh, let's talk about this. And From one embarrassing team to another, let's talk about the Lions. Oh, from the embarrassment of Bowling Green, I'm opening up a beer here. From the embarrassment of Bowling Green to now the embarrassment on Sunday. And we'll start with the Lions. Because at least the Lions, we knew that they were going to lose to New England. But I was not expecting them to not put up a single point. Unbelievable. As they went into Foxborough this past weekend to take on the New England Patriots. And they get shut out by the Patriots 29 to nothing. Oh my God. 29 to nothing. Absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. New England up 3 nothing at the end of the first quarter from a Nick Foles field goal. He kicks another field goal to start the second quarter. Had no attempt. Kyle Duggar getting a fumble return for a kick for a touchdown. Makes it then 13 to nothing. Foles kicks another field goal at 16 nothing. Uh, it was field goal bonanza as Jacoby Myers getting a 24-yard pass from Bailey Zappi. And it was 26 to nothing. Field goal again in the fourth quarter, and that was the final. As Jared Goff was 19 for 35 for 229 total yards of offense in this game. No TDs, one interception, QBR rating, a 6.6. 6.6 in this game. Jamal Williams had 15 carries for 56 yards, no TDs. Uh, Reynolds, 6 catches, 92 yards. Uh, Raymond, 5 catches, 45 yards. St. Brown, 4 catches, 18 yards. TJ Hawkinson, 1 catch, 6 yards in the game. For the Patriots, no. Mac Jones, Zappi, 17 for 21 for 188 total yards. 1 TD, 1 interception. QBR rating was a 24.6. Stevenson, 25 carries for 161 total yards of offense. Myers, 7 catches, 111 yards, 1 TD uh, in the game. Henry, 4 catches, 54 yards, no TDs. The team stats look like this. The Lions had 17 first downs to the Patriots, 22. The Lions were 4 for 12 on third down. The Patriots, 3 for 9. The Lions, 0 for 6 on fourth down. Can't have that. You have to be better. You absolutely have to be better when it comes to that. Absolutely better when it comes to that. They had 312 yards of total offense, 211 through the air, 
101 on the ground. For the Patriots, they had 364 total yards of offense, 188 through the air, 176 on the ground. The, the Lions had seven penalties for 82 yards. New England, six penalties, 46 yards. There was a fumble and a loss for two turnovers for the, for the Lions. The Patriots had one interception for one turnover. They led in time of possession at 31 minutes and 29 seconds. The Lions 28 minutes and 31 seconds with the loss. The Lions now go to one and four. The Patriots go to two and three. And it looks to me that the Lions, I think Logan and Phil are right. As I take another drink of this. I think the Lions are not going to get 10 wins this year. I will admit that right now. I don't think they're getting 10 wins this year. My feelings of them making a run in the playoffs are no more. We are now continuing the rebuild, my friends. We are continuing the rebuild. That's what I think. They're going to continue the rebuild. So, I mean, we shall see. We shall see how it will all shake out. New England now 2-3. and three. Overall, now we'll talk about the Browns. The Browns, you know, Nick Chubb is doing really, really well. But they ran into a Charger team that was running on glory and guts and analytics in their favor in this game. Nick Chubb ran it for 41 yards. It was 7 nothing. Amari Cooper scores. It's 14 nothing. Cleveland, but then the Chargers started chipping. Field goal would make it 14 to 3. Joshua Kelly then with a five yard touchdown run, making it 14 to 10. Eckler getting a 12 yard pass from Herbert. It's 17 14 Chargers. And then Nick Chubb running it into the end zone, giving the Browns a 21 17 lead at halftime. The Chargers then kicked it in with Austin Eckler getting a 22 yard run. Is make it 24 to 21. The Chargers then kick a field goal. Make it 27-21. Kareem Hunt then gets the football. It's 28-27. Taylor Benoit gets a 27-yard field goal in the fourth quarter, making it 30-28. The Browns have an opportunity to win the football game, and Kane York misses the extra point. And the Browns, for the second straight week, lose. 30 to 28 to the Chargers this past weekend at First Energy Stadium. As Justin Herbert was 22 for 34 for 228 total yards, one TD, no interceptions, QBR rating of a 40.8. Eckler, 16 carries for 173 yards, one TD. Kelly, 10 carries for 49 yards, one TD in the game. Williams, 10 catches, 134 yards. Eckler, four catches, 26 yards, one TD in the game. For the Browns, it was Jacoby Brissett. He was 21 for 34 for 230 yards, one TD, one interception. QBR rating was pretty decent at 80.9. As Nick Chubb was the leading rusher at 17 carries for 134 yards, two TDs. Kareem Hunt, 11 carries, 47 yards, one TD in the game. Njoku, six catches, 88 yards. Amari Cooper, seven catches, 76 yards, one TD. Donovan Peoples-Jones, four catches, 50 yards, no TD. Hunt also had three catches for 10 yards, no TD as well. The overall team stats for the Browns 
They had 27 first downs at the Chargers 26. On third down, the Browns were 4 for 10. The Chargers were 3 for 10. Chargers 0 for 2 on fourth down. The Browns 0 for 1. The Browns had 230 yards passing and 213 yards rushing for a total of 443 total yards. The Chargers, 465 total yards of offense, 227 through the air, 238 on the ground. The Browns, 6 penalties for 65 yards, 4 penalties, 17 yards for the Chargers, 1 turnover for the Browns, an interception. They also led in time of possession, 30 minutes and 2 seconds to the Chargers, 29 minutes 58 seconds. The Browns fall to 2 and 3. The Chargers with their win go to 3 and 2 overall. And with that all said in mind, it's time to recap week 5 in the National Football League. It's time to break down week 5 in the National Football League right here on all Andy Alfred. Whoop! We begin with Thursday Night Football as Russell Wilson. Let's ride, Bronco Nation. Took on Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts find a way to take the overtime win as Russell Wilson takes him down the field and throws it fourth down in completion. The Broncos, a 12-9 win. Excuse me, the Colts, a 12-9 win. Over the Denver Broncos. Whoop! Terriello, mate. And welcome to Tumtum Stadium. Where the National Football League welcomes in Aaron Rodgers. And the G-Man of the New York Football Giants. And it was the Giants with a giant win over the Green Bay Packers. 27-22. The Queen is dead. Long live the king. Cheerio, mate. Woo. We come back to America. And it was Josh Allen. And the Buffalo Bills taking on Kenny Pickett. Elements for Steelers. And nobody circles the wagon like my Super Bowl pick. The Buffalo Bills as they put a shellacking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 38-3. Pittsburgh is not for real this year, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Whoop! We then head up to Minnesota as it was Kirk Cousins taking on Justin Fields and the Bears. And it was Kirk Cousins leading his team to a strong victory as it was Cousins 32 for 41 for 296 yards, one TD, one interception. The Bears fall to the Vikings, 29-22, whoop! We then head to New Orleans, where the Saints took on the Geno, which is the Seattle Seahawks, led by Pete Carroll. And the Saints account for four touchdowns. It was all Taysom Hill. As they top the Seahawks 39-32. And he stepped up to the plate as Taysom Hill in this game. Was 9 carries, 122 yards, and 3 TDs. He also had a solid game at quarterback. Throwing for one touchdown. 
The Saints, 39-32 wins over the Seattle Seahawks. Whoop! We then head to the Meadowlands to see the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets take on the Miami Dolphins led by Teddy Bridge over troubled water. And Teddy Bridgewater goes down on the first play from possession as the Jets run past the Dolphins. Taking out Flipper with the gun. 40 to 17, stabbing their 12 game skid against the AFC East opponents, scoring a safety in the game. Woohoo! We then head down to Raymond James Stadium, where I need a divorce lawyer. Tampa Tom take on Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons. And Tampa Tom finds a way to get the job done. Tampa Tom, Tom Brady in the game. Tom Brady, a solid outing. 35 for 52 for 351 yards. He only threw one touchdown. His QBR rating, 46.3%. As Leonard Fournette with 14 carries, 56 yards, one TD. The Bucks, a big win. 21 to 15 over the Atlanta Falcons. Woo! We head up to D.C. where the Fight for the Commanders win victory. Took on Derrick Henry and tighten up, baby, Tennessee Titans. As it was the Titans led by the one named, of course, Ryan Tannehill leading the quarterback scheme. He was 15 for 25 for 181 yards, one TD. His QBR rating of 17.9. But Tannehill with Derrick Henry carrying the football 28 times for 102 yards. He had two touchdowns in the game as Tennessee a big 21-17 win over Carson Wentz, who was 25 for 38 for 359 yards, two TDs, one interception. The Commanders fall to the Titans 21-17. The upset special by yours truly, of course, was the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Touchdown Jesus. Trevor Lawrence taking on the Houston Texans and the Texans getting a huge win as Damian Prince gets hit from behind the scrimmage, slips, and causes a huge gaffe as the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the Houston Texans. The Texans getting their first win of the season. 13-6 over the Jaguars. We then head to the 4 o'clock specials. Woohoo! As we had Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, traveling to Carolina to see... I'm making the turnovers. Baker Mayfield. Progressive insurance. And Jimmy G, a great outing for him. He becomes... Elite again, and my friends, as he was 18 for 30 for 253 yards, two TDs, QBR rating of a 16.5 for Baker. He was 20 for 36 for 215 yards, no TDs, one interceptions, QBR rating a 25.5. As the Panthers fall 37 to 15 over the San Francisco 49ers, the Niners three and two. Carolina fires their coach after the game. Oh, no. We then head down to Arizona. I'm the child, Kyle Murray. 
took on Jalen Hurts. And the Fly Eagles fly on the road to victory. And they did live fly high. And they are still the only undefeated team in the National Football League. With a 20-17 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Jalen Hurts in the game was 26 for 36 for 239 yards. QBR rating of a 52.6 as he ran the football 15 times for 61 yards for two TDs. As Kyler Murray was 28 for 42 for 250 yards, one TD, one interception. His QBR rating of a 68.2 as the Eagles with a 20-17 win. We go to L.A. Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams taking on Cooper Rush. And the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys are finding ways to win games without Dak Prescott. The domination of the defense helps the Cowboys in this game. As Matthew Stafford in this game was 28 for 42. For 308 total yards, one TD, one interception, his QBR of 38.6. As Akers, 13 carries for 33 yards. The overall defense only allowing only 76 yards. 38 yards rushing in the entire game as Dallas gets a 22-10 win over the LA Rams. The defending champion as Cooper Rush was 10 for 16 for 102 yards. The boys, I think, are back. Whoa-ho! We then head to Sunday Night Football on NBC. It was Joey B taking on a Lamar Jackson. As it was the Bengals taking on the Ravens. And Justin Tucker tucks it into the end zone and into the field goal realm as the Ravens, as time expires, Kick the game-winning field goal as the Ravens beat the Bengals 19-17. As Joey V was 24 for 35 for 217 total yards, 1 TD, 1 interception. His QBR rating of 30.8. For Lamar Jackson, he was 19 for 32 for 174 yards, 1 TD, 1 interception. He led in the rushing realm at 12 carries for 58 yards. Woohoo! Then we get to last night, Monday Night Football. It was Raiders taking on I'm Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs, and Travis Kelsey. A big game for Kelsey in the game, as he had a total of four touchdowns, seven catches for 25 yards, as Patty Mahomes was 29 for 43. For 292 yards, it's my QBR rating of 61.1. I'm Patrick Mahomes, and I get the big win on Monday Night Football. As Derek Carr found a way to, and the Raiders found a way to goof it up. As they lose 30-29 to on Monday night, ending week 6 in. The National Football League. Week 5 in the National Football League. We now head to Week 6 in the National Football League. And a big card for yours truly. We have four teams on the bye this week. The Lions, 
the Raiders, the Texans, and the Panthers. Not the Panthers. My, my apologies. Not the Panthers. It is... I forget the, the fourth, third team. My apologies. But now it's time to take a look at week six's card. International Football League. It's time to take a look ahead to week six in the National Football League and time to fill out my card for week six in the NFL. And now let's take a look at the games going forward for this weekend in the National Football League. We begin with Thursday Night Football as the Washington Commanders, led by Carson Wentz, heads to Chicago to take on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. The line right now is even. It is an 8-15 kickoff on Amazon Prime. I am taking the Bears to beat the Washington Commanders. We get to Sunday's slate, and it looks like this. The 49ers, led by Jimmy G, head to Atlanta to take on Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta not favored in this game as San Francisco is a 5.5-point favorite in this game. I am taking San Francisco in this game. The New York Football Jets, 3-2 overall, head up to Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay a 7-point favorite in this game. I am actually going to take my upset special this week, and that is the New York Jets to beat the Green Bay Packers because Green Bay is coming off the London game. They're still going to be a little heavy in their legs. I will take the Jets to beat the Packers. The Jacksonville Jaguars head up to Indianapolis to take on Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts. One o'clock kick on CBS. Indy a two-point favorite in this game. I am taking Indianapolis in that game. It will be at one o'clock. It will be the Minnesota Vikings traveling down to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. Minnesota a three-point favorite in this game. I am taking Minnesota in that game. Cincinnati, 2-3 and three overalls, travels down to the Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints. Cincinnati, a 1.5-point favorite, 1 o'clock kick on CBS. I am taking Cincinnati in this game. 1 o'clock kick in the Meadowlands as it's the G-Men, who are 4-1 and one overall, take on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I am going to take... I'm going to take the Giants in this game. I think they get the win. You know what? I'm going to take Baltimore. Take Baltimore in this game. Baltimore over the Giants in that one. Tampa Tom, 3-2 overall, travels to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 1 o'clock kick. Tampa a 8-point favorite in this game. I will take Tampa in that game also, which leads us to the 1 o'clock kick at First Energy Stadium. In beautiful Cleveland, Ohio, as the two and three New England Patriots, led by Bill Belichick, takes on Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns. The Browns, a three point favorite against New England in this game. I am going to take the Cleveland Browns to beat the New England Patriots in this game. The four o'clock kicks look like this as it will be Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers traveling across the country to take on Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams. The Rams a 10.5-point favorite. I am taking the Rams in that game. Arizona 
travels up to Seattle. The 12th man to take on the Seahawks. Arizona, a three-point favorite in that game. I'm taking Arizona in that game. The big game, 425 kick on CBS as it will be a rematch of the AFC Championship game as it is the Buffalo Bills led by Josh Allen taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Buffalo, a three-point favorite in this game. I am taking Buffalo in this game over Kansas City, which sets up Sunday night football as the 4-1 Dallas Cowboys travel to Philadelphia to take on the E-H-E-L-E-S Eagles, who are 5-0 overall. Philadelphia, a five-point favorite. I am taking Philadelphia in that game. And the Monday night game, we'll see Russell Wilson, 2-3 overall, traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers, a five-point favorite. I am taking the Chargers in that game. So, to recap the card, I have Chicago, San Francisco, the Jets, the Colts, the Vikings, the Bengals, the Ravens, Tampa, and the Browns. My four o'clocks are the Rams, Cardinals, Bills, my Sunday night game, Philadelphia, and Monday night football will see the Los Angeles Chargers defeating the Denver Broncos. All games are subject to change. Last week I went 13-3 in my picks. I hope you guys enjoy this week in the National Football League. Hi folks, this is Andy Alford, the host of All Andy Alford. And I want to talk to you about my friends down at the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store. Tomorrow, the 12th of October, is the final day. Yes, the final day of the big inventory blowout sale that's happening at 205 South Erie Street in the Warehouse District. Items as low as $0.10 cents and all, glass sets all the way up to $12.88. Grab your dinnerware, grab all your football party needs, as well as all your Halloween and Christmas items are now out, folks. Get it while we have it. Visit it at 205 South Erie Street in the Warehouse District, Monday through Friday, 9.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the evening, Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Libby Factory Outlet, set your table right. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now it's time to dive into the NHL. The NHL is back, my friends. It's time for the latest and the final preseason edition of the Jackets Report. It's time to fire the cannon, and it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. Well, it's now time for the latest Jackets report, and the Jacket season opening roster has been announced. The team has their lineup, and they will have dressed 14 forwards, 7 defensemen, and 2 goaltenders. The forwards will be consisted of, of course, Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine. It will also be Sean Corrali, Gustav Nyquist, Justin Danforth, Liam Foody, Matthew Oliver, Cole Sillinger, Boone Jenner, the captain, 
Eric Robinson, Igor Chinikov, Kent Johnson, Jakub Voracek, and Jack Roslovic. On the defensive side, it'll be Zach Peak, Andrew Peak, excuse me, Zach Warinsky, Vlasov Gavrikov, Jake Bean, Adam Boquist, Eric Gubrinson, and Nick Blackburn. In between the pipes, it will be Elvis Merzlinkitz and Tarasov between the pipes for the Jackets this upcoming season. And that said in mind, of course, the following players are also going to be have placed Jonas Corposalo and Low and left winger Yohan Lotu on injured reserve list. The Jackets have also assigned right winger Emil Benstrom and defenseman David Krejci to the Cleveland Monsters in the American Hockey League. So that is the Jacket opening day lineup. The Jackets getting ready for a big season. Uh, this is going to be a huge season for the Jackets, I think, in my opinion. Um, this team is going to, I think be surprised a lot of people. They did lose their final preseason game on Saturday to the Washington Capitals in overtime, 4-3. to They open up the season tomorrow night, 7 o'clock puck drop in Raleigh as they will take on the Carolina Hurricanes. It'll be on Bally Sports Southwest, excuse me, South, South, and Bally Sports Ohio, 7 o'clock puck drop Friday night. They will host the Tampa Bay Lightning at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard in the heart of the Arena District in downtown Columbus, Ohio. So looking forward to the opening night at Nationwide. It won't be available to attend it. So if you have pictures, if you want to talk about your experience, follow us on our Twitter account, which is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. Me and the wife will be watching from our home on Friday night as well as on Wednesday, tomorrow night for the the kickoff, the season opener against Carolina. So we're looking forward to that. Some news and notes around the National Hockey League to share with you guys here. The Looks like the favorites right now to repeat as champions are the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, early onset looks like it's going to be McDavid, Matthews, and McCarr are the top runners right now to win in the players' pool. To win the Hearts Heart Trophy, that's going to say a lot too. Uh, it looks like um, looks like Carl Hagelin is going to be out indefinitely after a hip procedure. He's going to be out for the Washington Capitals. Um, uh, it looks like Matt Murray will start in goal with the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, tonight, of course, Derek Broussard signs a one-year $750,000 contract with the Ottawa Senators. We have two games on the docket tonight as it is the – as it is, actually, it's just now gone final as we're doing the podcast right now. It's the Rangers getting a big 3-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning at Madison Square Garden in the game. Sabanajad with his first, Stamkos. Uh, Savannah with two goals in the game and Goodrow getting his first, getting the 3-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. The other game tonight, a 10 o'clock puck drop, which will start here in just a few moments as the Vegas Golden Knights travel to L.A. to battle the L.A. Kings. Tomorrow's slate looks like this. 7 o'clock puck drops. Besides the Columbus taking on Carolina, Montreal is hosting the Leafs. You also have Boston is in Washington to battle the Capitals. 9.30 puck drop on T. And by the way, that Boston-Washington game, TNT will have that game. 9.30 puck drop. It will be Colorado Avalanche 
with the banner raising hosting the Chicago Blackhawks. 10 o'clock will be Seattle taking on Anaheim and Vancouver taking on Edmonton at 10 o'clock. Thursday, we'll see Washington in Toronto, Chicago in Vegas, Arizona is in Pittsburgh, New Jersey is in Philadelphia, Ottawa is in Buffalo, Florida is in New York to battle the Islanders, the Rangers go to Minnesota, Dallas in Nashville, Colorado in Calgary, and Seattle is in L.A. to battle the Kings. Like I said, Friday night, the Jackets hosting their home opener to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. It will be New York taking the Rangers taking on Winnipeg. Montreal is in Detroit to battle the Red Wings. And Carolina is in San Jose to battle the Sharks. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, also got to make mention of this, uh, Ian Cole. Uh, a lot of sexual assault accusations have come out against him. The Tampa Bay Lightning have indefinitely suspended him pending the NHL investigation. We'll see how that all shakes out going forward this season. Also, the big news out of Boston Bruin camp is of the following. They have released Nick Foligno and they have put him on waivers. The discussion is being talked about in the room in Columbus to pick him up. And this is what I was told from a good source in the organization. Now, the the Jackets are going to face a cap hit. And they are going to face a cap hit. However, they want, if they pick Felino up, Felino is paid, owed $3.84 million. Now, the discussion is, is that Boston, is, is that Columbus wants Boston to pay off that waiver. Or pay three quarters of that waiver off, which would be about two point five million dollars, two point five four million dollars, and Columbus would cover the other half of the the payment to get it to three point eight four. Um, with that in mind, I think that's a good deal. I think we need to bring back the former captain back to Columbus. I think Felino needs to come in for a veteran leadership role. Uh. I think it needs to happen. I really do. And if he does not clear waivers, he will go down to Providence to play with the Bruins. And I don't like that. I don't think he deserves to go like that. I think he'd probably retire. But I think that the Jackets need to make the offer to Boston to pick him up so that he can play maybe for this season, retire as a Jacket, and 71 will go into the rafters. That's what I really think. I want 71 to go to the rafters. So Columbus, let's make the deal. Hell, I'd buy season tickets if you got Nick Foligno back in the roster. I'd tell you that much. i get a partial plan in a heartbeat. Because I love Nick Foligno. I love that guy. Great hockey mind. Great hockey family. He's done so much for the Columbus community. It would be so nice to have him back. There's also this. And this is still in talks. I can't divulge the, the, the... the talk of this, I can't reveal my source, but this is a this is somebody I actually credibly know in the organization. The Patrick Kane talk is still available. It's still being kicked around. Will that include will that be into the trade deadline? Will that be into later the season? I don't know. But the can is still being kicked around 
for Patrick Kane to come to Columbus. Because definitely Chicago is going to definitely want to move him. Especially if with them doing a full rebuild. If you didn't listen to the NHL preview edition of the show, go back and listen to the full thing. I'll give you a synopsis of it. Uh, we've recapped last season. We predicted the uh, divisions. And you you also will hear my NHL Stanley Cup prediction of who I think will lift the Stanley Cup. I think it's going to be a very interesting year when it comes to the Stanley Cup this year. And, uh, yeah, I, I re- highly, highly recommend it, recommend it for you guys to go listen to the NHL preview edition right here on the Anchor Network. Also, got to pass along to this as well on the on the hockey side of things. Let's lead a walleye back into on the ice for their uh, their training camp. They will have a preseason game Friday night in Kalamazoo, and then they will come back to the Huntington Center on Saturday night to play the same Kalamazoo Wings before they hit the road for three weeks. They will be on the road for three weeks, ladies and gentlemen. They won't come back to the Huntington Center till the first week of November for opening night against. Cincinnati. So this is your one and only time this October to see the see the fish at the Huntington Center. Tickets are available by calling 419-725-WALL. It's $5 for the ticket. It's general admission. You can sit wherever you want. I like sitting upstairs. I will be at the game Saturday night. I'll need to have, look at something, maybe see something that's winning because I'm going to go see Bowling Green play football Saturday afternoon. So that's, that's something right there. Um, Got to make mention of this, too, really quickly, while we have you guys on the air before we uh, dive into the baseball playoff situation. Of course, uh, the big uh, LPGA event from this past weekend, of course, the LPGA is still going on as they have tournaments going all the way, all the way until November, which was the Mejia... Medi-Heel Championship this past weekend as it was Joey Enner standoff winning at 15 under par. Yuka Sasso finishing at second at 14 under par. Georgia Hall tied for third with Daniel Kang at 13 under par and Paul Ritu at 13 under par. Andrea Lee 12 under par. Uh, Kim at 11 under par. Conklin tied for eighth at 10 under par with Celine Bautier as well as... Uh, Shebro as well. Kelly Tan, 8 under par, tied for 15th. Uh, Gabby Lopez, the defending Dana Open champion, 8 under par, tied for 15th as well. By the way, I got a chance. I forgot to make mention of this last week. Driving down Monroe Street, they got the new sign up. They got Gabby's name on the sign. Go definitely take a picture of that. That's pretty cool to see. Um, Chella Choi, Six under par, tied for 22nd. Paul Kramer tied for 29th, five under par. Um, Annie Park, four under par, tied for 32nd. Jean Lee, six, tied for 46th at three under par as well. Uh, Stacey Lewis tied for 52nd at two under par. Brooke Matthews, one under par, tied for 59th. Uh, Lena Sharp, 70, tie at 73rd at eight over par in the tournament. Emma Talley misses the cut at five over par on sat on Friday, and so they will now get ready for the next tournament, which will be 
The BMW Ladies Championship will be October 20th through the 23rd in the Republic of Korea. They'll then go to Japan November 3rd through the 6th in the in the Togo Japan Classic before then returning back to Florida to Belmere, Florida for the Pelican Women's Championship and then the CEE Globe Tournament Championship, which will be November 17th through the 20th. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen, the 2022 season of the LPJ will be officially done. So there is that. For you guys right there. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher. However you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the diamond. Let's talk a little baseball as the Guardians are playing as we speak. As we're doing this podcast. They're playing in the Big Apple. So the MLB playoffs are full swing. The Guardians sweep the... Tampa Bay Rays in a walk-off fashion on Saturday afternoon in the 15th Indian inning, and the Guardians beat the Rays 1-0. It was a great pitching matchup in the series for the Guardians. The Guardians are now in to New York to battle the Yankees in a big best-of-five series. And they are struggling right now. They're down 4-1 to the Yankees at the end of the eighth inning. All their games are going to be on TBS. Tonight's starter was uh, uh, Quintel on the bump. As they go to the top of the ninth inning, looking at the box score for the Guardians, Quintel went five innings, four hits, four runs, three of which were earned, three walks, five strikeouts, two home runs he gave up. ERA of a 5.40. Uh, he gave up the gave up home runs to Bad Air as well as Anthony Rizzo. Judge in the game. He has one run, one walk, three strikeouts in the game. He has had three at bats for the for the Yankees. For the Guardians, it was Stephen Kwong homering. As for the Yankees on the mound tonight, it was Garrett Cole went six and a third, four hits, one run. That run was earned, one walk, eight strikeouts, one home run. His ERA a four one point four two. As the Guardians are falling behind four one, at going into the top of the ninth inning. The next game will be game two on Thursday. It will be Shane Bieber on the bump, thirteen and eight with a two point eight eight ERA. It will be Cortez for the Yankees, who's twelve and four. With a 2.44 ERA. Then they will have game three in New York. It will be Luis Severino, 7-3 with a 3.18 ERA. He'll take on McKenzie, who is 11-11 with a 2.96 ERA. 7.37 first pitch on Saturday night at Progressive Field. Sunday, if necessary, it will be a 7.07 first pitch. And then game Five, if necessary, will be in New York on Monday night, 7.30, first pitch. Both teams have not yet named starters if that gets to game four and game five. Other series, of course. Seattle is playing Houston in a big series on today. And the Astros walk it off in the ninth inning with a three-run bomb in the ninth inning. Seattle blows the lead. They lose Game one, eight to seven. After having a tremendous lead in the game, they were up seven, seven to four. They blow it in the eighth and ninth inning with two runs in the eighth and the three-run walk-off in the ninth inning to lose eight to seven. 
Philadelphia, a big 7-6 win over the Braves. They jumped out to an early 2-0 lead. The, the Braves had two chances with bases loaded, and they could not bring the runs home. The Phillies, seven runs on 12 hits, no errors. The Braves, six runs on nine hits, one error in the game. The other game, of course, the Dodgers and Padres just getting ready to start actually as now underway. The Dodgers up an early 2-0 lead, top of the third inning. So that's interesting to see what happens as we'll get closer and closer to seeing who will lift the Commissioner's Trophy this upcoming season. So there is that for you guys for you guys tonight as you are listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Leaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's that time of the night. It's now time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants. And I want to thank you again for tuning into the podcast tonight. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here on all Andy Elford. Remember to go back and listen to our NHL preview edition right here on the Anchor Network to get you set up for your teams that you want to hear and hear me predict the upcoming NHL season. And it is going to be, I think, in my opinion, my Andy Rance tonight is going to be about this. I think the NHL is going to be a fantastic year. I think this is going to be a grand year for the NHL with with ESPN and TNT taking over their broadcasting with their second year of doing it. I think this is going to be a grand year for us hockey fans to watch the games that we love. I'm worried a little bit about the Bally sports situation, but it will digress. Um, I think this season is going to be one for the ages for all our, for everybody's team. I think this is going to be a lot of surprises, a lot of moves. I think this is going to be a great year in the National Hockey League. I think hockey all around is going to be great overall. Uh, I think the walleye are going to be look pretty good this upcoming season. I'll get a first chance look at them on, uh, on Saturday night. Uh, I want to give credit to this. Uh, I went down Saturday night with my wife and I went down to see Bowling Green's hockey program for the home opener against Michigan State. They beat Michigan State Friday night 3-1 and Mud Ice Arena in the campus of Michigan State University in East Lansing. They came to Michigan, they came to Bowling Green, and Bowling Green jumped out to an early 1-0 lead, but Michigan State countered that, tied it up in the second period. It was 1-1, and then at the with five minutes under five minutes to, with uh, five minutes to play in the game, Bowling Green was charged with a check from behind. It was a two-minute charge. Uh, they then reviewed it came out to being a five-minute boarding call, which put Bowling Green on the power penalty kill for the rest of the game. Michigan State capitalized, and that was the game. Michigan State, a big 2-1 win over Bowling Green. But I was very, very impressed with how good the students came out for this game with it being fall break. I was very, very impressed on how good the barn felt. Uh, i got to give credit to Kevin Peel and his great broadcast. Uh, I felt very, very safe with my friend Dan Poland being there. Uh, the concession stands were great. Uh, it, it, it was a great night, and it was a, it relived a lot of my past. Uh, I actually talked to Kevin. Kevin's going to be on our podcast soon. We're going to get him on the air and talk to him about Bowling Green Athletics and talk talk shop about our time together at the BGRSO as well as 
his time also at BCSN as well. So there's that. Uh, that's coming down the pipeline as well. Uh, we're also in the mind of talking to one Mr. Gordy Meyer from the Toledo Walleye. He is, we're in talks of getting him on the podcast to get him talking about the fish this upcoming season. Uh, talk shop a little bit with him on that. We're in the talks with that. Uh, but the Kevin Peel thing is for certain. Uh, you know, as well as going to get Logan Carr more into the broadcast and integrate him a little bit more into this podcast as well. Because, you know, sometimes a second voice is good to hear when it comes to this. I know I love hearing my I know you guys love hearing my voice and you, I know this is why you listen to this show and hear my sports information. But uh you know, get it refreshed up a little bit and it'd be it'd be great to have. So there's that for you guys. And uh that's gonna be it for all Andy L for tonight right here on the Anchor Network. We will be back on the air. There will be no show this Friday for Falcon Friday. We will be at Doit Perry Stadium on Saturday afternoon the Miami Ohio Bowling Green game. I will have a halftime show for you guys on the on the Facebook live. Uh the Anchor Network will ha- we will not have anything on the Anchor Network. It'll be on our Facebook live, also on our Twitter account. So follow those accounts to hear my opinion at halftime between Miami Ohio and Bowling Green. Uh BG needs a huge win here against Miami Ohio. Not only for the stay in the MAC race, but also to save Scott Leffler's job. So, with that all in mind, this is Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And remember to wear a mask. Get your flu shot. And to the teams you root for at home. And my teams. Go Jackets! Get the job done in Carolina. And let's have a party on Friday night against Tampa Bay. Let's go Walleye. Let's go Falcons. Get the job done against Miami of Ohio. Get the job done this week against Western on the ice. Go State. Go Browns. Enjoy the bye, Lions. You're going to need it. And go Guardians. Bring the championship to the land. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody. I will talk to you guys Saturday afternoon at Doit Perry Stadium for another edition of All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. I love you guys. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.